Mastermind Agent is proud to present the Interview of the Month Club. Top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is the McDaniel Callahan Real Estate Team with J. Rockcliffe Realtors in Danville, California. The team leaders are Terry McDaniel, father, Greg McDaniel, son, and Chris Callahan, friend. They work the San Francisco East Bay area. In 2005, they posted their best year when they closed 54 transactions with a total sales volume of $77 million. Their average sales price was $1.4 million. 35% were buyers and 65% were sellers. They operate a team with seven members, one office manager agent, one door knocker, two buyer specialists, and three team leaders. This is a tight-knit, multi-generational family operation. Terry McDaniel is the father who's been in the business for 38 years. Over 10 years ago, he was joined by son Greg McDaniel and business partner Chris Callahan. The three are principals in the McDaniel Callahan real estate team. They work the high-priced market in the San Francisco East Bay area. Terry built his business by door knocking and creating lasting relationships with the people he met. Door knocking has always been easy for Terry. He believes he's on a mission to keep good people away from bad brokers. Terry knows his clients will be protected in his care. Terry taught Greg and Chris how to door knock and prospect. Now, they're just as comfortable knocking on the door of a $400,000 home as the door of a $3 million home. Surprisingly, the more expensive homes may be easier. Over the years, they have knocked on thousands of doors themselves and hired teams of door knockers to do the same. The McDaniel Callahan team was taken off guard by the severity of the current recession but they've regained their balance, restructured their operation, and are forging ahead through determination, persistence, and belief in themselves. Listen carefully to how they're using predictive analytics to find people who are the most likely to move next. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Terry, Greg, and Chris. Hi, Thank Mike. You. Thank you. Before we get started into what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you were doing before you started in the business. Terry, let's start with you. Well, Mike, a long time ago, back in 1973, I graduated from the University of Colorado, and uh, I had a meeting with my pastor, and, and he had a friend that was a builder, and eventually I went into, uh, right out of college, right into sales. Um, I spent a summer building a house, figuring that uh, God gave me a lot of gifts, and that was not one of them. And, uh, and I heard about this guy named Tom Hopkins. And uh, Tommy Hopkins was doing a seminar down in Arizona, and I flew down and 
met with Tommy. He said, just go out and door knock and meet the people. So I came back and uh, started door knocking, and and uh, my broker at the time made a bet with me that if I did four transactions in one month, that he'd buy me an HP80, which was worth about 500 bucks at the time, which is about as much as the teacher was making. And um, basically, uh, I knocked on doors in the snow in my striped suit for in my wingtips for about a, a month, five to six days a week until I was able to get four transactions in the in the uh, in the can and and uh, from there it just uh, continued to move that way. It was a very good experience. I was not afraid to go out and meet people. Um, I had no alternative choice. I didn't know anybody, nor did I have any money to possibly to support us. My wife and I, Sally, uh, of 38 years, graduated from the university. She was in her teacher credential program, and our families were not helping us with any funds at all. So. We had no choice but to uh, burn a bridge and say, you know what, we're going to make it, and we did. And and by the grace of God, that's what we did. So we started door knocking, and then we did Fizbo's, and used to drive down the middle of uh, Broadway, uh, drag racing a couple of friends of mine. The first person to the Fizbo was the person that could claim it. And if you know Jim Bodine, Jim Bodine and I, and uh, John Malcolm, and about a bunch of other guys used to drag race on our LTD Fords to see who we could be the first person to that Fizbo. And it just was a good time. It was a good experience. Uh, the Board of uh, Realtors in Boulder was a great experience, focused on education, on high-quality relationships, ethics, education, and also teaching their competition how to sell. And that's the unique thing about the Colorado Association was the ability for them to, without reservation, show their neighbor next door how that they were able to be successful in a good market or a bad market. Jim Nesbaum, Sven Nyland, Tupper, um, a lot of these other brokers in the past. And that's what I really did. I just started listening to tapes. I listened to motivational tapes and practicing my scripts and dialogues. And you know what? You can take me out into a field today, and they come back immediately. So, um, And that's what I tried to pass on to uh, Chris and the Greg. Uh, but I think their story is compelling. So, uh, Greg and Chris, you want to share a little bit about how you guys got started with us? Sure. This is Greg McDaniel. Um, I got into the business 11, almost 12 years ago, came directly out of college where I was uh, uh, challenged in uh, in my educational pursuits, let's put it that way. And I started working in a warehouse with all my buddies, and I was totally thrilled about it. And my father looks at me one day and says, Greg, is this uh, truly where you want to be spending your life? And so I, um, I said, of course it is, because you know my uh, my alternative was I was going to work in the warehouse and then I was going to move to LA, become a movie star, and be rich and famous. So <laughs> that 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 path didn't quite go the way I wanted it to, to go, but I think it's a blessing because of because it didn't. I uh, asked all my friends, guys, you know, should I do real estate? Yada yada. Every one of them said, yes, I should definitely step in and start doing it. Um, so I figured I'd do it uh, for a couple of months, make my father happy, and then go on my way. Well, 11 to 12 years later, we're all still here, um, and it's been the best move I've made. This is truly something that I love to do. I love to hunt down and, uh, and find that next, uh, next listing, wherever it might be, or find that next buyer and convert them to work with us. So that is kind of my, uh, my path. But now we're here. We're having fun together as, our, as we continue to grow our real estate team. Chris? This is Chris Callahan. Uh, I've been doing real estate now for a little over 12 years. I had a prior career at uh, 
through JCPenney Company all the way to the corporate office in uh, Texas and got married and realized that we really didn't want to stay in uh, in Texas and and raise our family and do all that. So we decided to come back to California. Both my wife and myself were from the area. And um, through Young Life, which is a, uh, a Christian organization, I had been a Young Life leader um, several years prior and ended up meeting some people. And a mutual friend said, well, you really should talk to Terry McDaniel if you're thinking about doing real estate. I said, okay. So a 20-minute conversation later, Terry's saying, well, get out here. Just get your license and get on out here. So um, that was one of those God things. It was kind of a no-brainer, as they say. We both kind of had that feeling and got out here and started doing it and just uh, haven't looked back. Terry was one of the front runners of the team approach through the Howard Brinton connection with him. And uh, we have ebbed and flowed in smaller teams, bigger teams, but uh, now we're definitely in a growth mode right now of, of getting our team uh, back on track. Uh, a lot of team members were trying also to um, go in some markets that we never would have gone, some bilingual markets. So, yeah, we got some fun ideas of, of where to take the team and, and currently where it's going right now, too. Let's fast forward into today. The three of you are principals in the company. Can you please define your roles? Mike, they call me the silverback. Uh, my role is to get out of the way of these great guys and let them uh, blossom and and prosper the team and give a little bit of direction on the side as much as I can, uh, but just to encourage them and give them direction of where I see the market's going for us. It's worked out extremely well for us. Um, the next generation has to take control of where the team's going. It can't be always run by the legacy of the person that was there, and these guys have done a great job with it. Greg? I started out as a buyer's agent um, when I originally came on, but before that, when I first started, first first started, like we talked about a few seconds ago, I actually wasn't even allowed to go near a client for 12 months. I uh, I had to, you know, cut my teeth, so to speak, out door knocking. Um, I I spent anywhere from four to six hours a day out door knocking every single home in the two different major communities that we actually work in. So there's about forty, about forty-five thousand. Uh, people in those two different areas, and I had to door knock every single home at least once or twice. So that is kind of how I originally started. Then, as soon as I was uh, was able to 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 pass my license and 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 then I build the respect of the team, I was able to start working with them. I remember my last day uh, out there door knocking. I was going up a slight incline. It was slightly drizzling. There was some water coming down the hill. My shoes. I had literally worn holes in the bottom of my shoes. My shoes had filled up with water, and I was so upset. I called uh, called into the team. I said, "That's it. I'm not door knocking anymore today." My father got a huge kick out of that and started laughing and said, "Okay, it's time to come in. You can actually work with clients." So after that, um, you know, Chris and I, uh, Chris uh, was mentoring me on the on the buy side, and then uh, of course my father was mentoring all of us on how to do listings and all that. But um, that's where I got my start was was working with buyers, and now is um, uh, and we're all working towards acquiring more listings, of course. And Greg, your current role today is? My current role, there's no real title on it. It's basically find as many live bodies that want to buy or sell, and uh, I'm extremely aggressive with that. I would, I would have to say without overstepping my bounds that per- predominantly we need both sides, you know, buying and selling, so it would be about a 50-50 split. 
Chris, can you tell me what your role is in the team today? Sure. When I started with Terry, I was uh, pretty much cross-trained in everything, as Greg did. It was one of the first days that I ended up starting with Terry. We went door knocking, uh, so that was a new experience. And um, the, the the first door, as they say, is always the toughest door. We were in the car, and Terry had some flyers that we were going to pass out, and we talked about it for a good, uh, oh, two minutes, and said, so here's what we're going to do. You take the left side, and I'll take the right side, and we're going to go meet some nice people. Smile a lot, and that's what we did. So the first door, I'm looking across the street at Terry, thinking of what he's going to do, and he proceeds to have this you know, 30-minute conversation with this older gentleman. I'm over a mine. I nervously knock, and nobody answers. I'm like, Phew, okay, nobody's going to answer. <laughs> so I left the, left the fire and went to the next door. And uh, eventually somebody opened the front door, and I had to talk to somebody. But it was really kind of funny because there's nothing better than just getting face-to-face and uh, in this business. Uh, if you don't have the gift of gab, which I definitely do, um, door knocking is not going to be your thing. Uh, but we did it all. Took pictures, did brochures, everything you could possibly imagine doing. I was doing it and uh, learning the, the buyer specialist role and worked my way up through doing that to where in a short period of time, uh, I still remember when Terry said, you know, you're just not my buyer specialist, you're my partner buddy. And that was uh, the beginning of a long relationship that we've had. So I've started working eventually doing the listing side as well. But for the most part, still do, you know, buyers and sellers. And uh, one of my roles is, you know, working with the buyer specialist that we do bring on. That's I like getting in that uh, mentor training role. I, I do enjoy helping people um, learn that. And, and they call me the script master, so that's definitely one of my fun things to do, too. I was totally adverse to it. thought scripts were for car salesmen and, and quickly realized that, Scripts are nothing more than uh, helping people work themselves down a decision-making matrix. And um, you're not going to get somebody to buy a house. One, one of our things as a, as a core group is, you know, keeping people from buying bad homes. And, and um, some of those scripts actually help people do just that. We want to make sure that they're not going to make a poor decision in a real estate purchase. And uh, so once I got over that hump of thinking that that was, you know, below us, so to speak, that that, that didn't make sense. And once it clicked in my head that it does make sense, I've, um, I've, uh, jumped on a full bore and, and really, you know, Greg's a great door knocking script guy too. They've, they've learned a lot. We've tried a lot, which is the, when you have this many man hours to try things, you can tweak little verbiages and see which one works better. So we do a lot of, and now with so many years of going door knocking, there's so much so many people in our system that uh, do a lot of phone calling. Now, um, back to, you know, minimum two hours per day of making sure that those leads are followed up on. You can go get leads door knocking, but if you don't follow up on them, they quickly forget who you were at their front door. So it sounds to me like the structure you have is that Terry is creating a vision and a, a big picture. And then Greg and Chris, you guys are working the day-to-day in the trenches and you have not split out tasks such as one of you does buyers and one of you does sellers. You're both doing both sides. Does that sound correct? Both are doing both sides. We definitely, as we say, um, we'll tell Terry when we go out on a lead and maybe do that first CMA appointment, we can bring him in and so we'll tell him, we'll call him up and say, we need some gray hair on this one. 
and that's when he comes in and helps us close that listing down. And he is nobody better than him uh, doing that. He can he just assumptive closes like nobody's business. That's so true. I've never seen someone that has the ability to walk outside and make two phone calls and literally get two listings. Uh, happened to us uh, two weeks ago, actually. A whole lot of twos right there. But, yeah, he's an amazing, amazing um, networker, and he helps us kind of spearhead through it. And Chris and I are developing the the alternative follow-up programs that will help us sustain uh, our business for the decades to come. Where is Danville, California? God's country. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco, East Bay, uh, in Contra Costa County. So if you're standing in San Francisco, you would go east as a bird would fly, and then about 45 minutes later, 30 to 45 minutes later, you'd plop down right on top of Danville. Please describe your current market. This is Chris. Currently, we're in a little bit of an interesting time in our market where uh, there's an overall feeling that it is getting better, uh, but there's also a nervousness of people that um, are right here in the trenches and feeling like the the overwhelming percentage of short sales and foreclosures that are yet to come is going to overshadow the ability for the buyer market and uh, buyer supply to keep up with it. So it's really interesting when you go out there and talk to people uh, just in general. There's some good business outside of our particular real estate. Some, we, we're uh, surrounded by a lot of tech industries and a lot of uh, software sales people around this area. And things are definitely getting better, but I think that we're still going to have some uh, prices coming down, some softening yet to come. Uh, it, we've definitely had an influx in our buyer side and the pendings going up, but the overall inventory on the listing side is more than kept pace and has continued to grow slightly. So it's going to be just a pure supply and demand thing. I, I, I believe that we're going to uh, find us getting out of the selling season right now and going in towards the holiday and the buyer supplies are going to shrink greatly and we're going to go back to a overinflated inventory and, and shrinking prices again. What's your average price in your market? Good question. If it turn around and add the condos and townhomes, we would probably be closer to 7750 If you took out the condo and townhome market, it would probably be you know more like 850 and above would be an average, but we have a, a huge higher end, you know, over 1.5, over 1.7 market that's very stagnant. So it just, it really depends on how you want to calculate it out. Our high end, our luxury home over 1.5, um, over 4,500 square foot home market has been right in our little, what we call the 680 corridor through here, the, the freeway corridor through here has been probably over 40% reduction since the height of the market. Um, there's some other homes more than that, you know, million mark, good location that have not been hit as high as 40%. They've really been insulated based upon their half acre, nice little location. They did not get hit as hard. Are you seeing a lot of REO or short sales? Uh, more and more. The further you go from our particular team's focus or this, like I said, the 680 corridor, uh, as soon as you turn around and, and drive northbound of us, you can quickly go in an, in an area that's more dense in homes, so smaller lots. Um, they might be newer developments, but uh, smaller and, and tighter in terms of scope of the uh, overall neighborhoods. 
those have been hurt much more than us, well over 50%, some as much as 60% reduction since the height. Um, so our area was initially insulated from that, but it did eventually work itself into our market in the last, I'd say, two, three years. Uh, we've seen more and more shorts in, in REO situations here. We ourselves have, uh, one of the things for our team felt that we did not quite move fast enough was to move towards that short selling REO market. Um, we didn't anticipate the overall economy staying down this long. So by the time we reacted, we could have, you know, it's the shoulda, coulda, woulda. We've, we could have reacted much, much quicker. Um, but we definitely are doing shorts and we definitely are doing REOs now at this point. You mentioned that some of the areas surrounding you have fallen by as much as 60% in their values. How much of a haircut has your area received? Well, like I said, our, our high end, our luxury market's probably in that, the top, and that's been a little over 40%. Um, most everything else is probably in the 30 to 35% range right there. But of course, in this particular market, I've told people over and over again B location, busy street, those homes may have gone down as much as 40, 50%, whereas you have some of these other ones that were great little tucked into the hillside, cul de sac locations. And they may have only gone down 25 or 30 percent. So the law of the law of numbers really plays an effect in a market like this. You really don't want to be on a main busy street. In your area, do you know your average days on the market? It actually has come down. Uh, we were well over 120 days for for quite a while. Uh, currently, I haven't run the the last quarter's numbers, but uh, it's I know for a fact that it's much, much, much less. Yeah, we're probably I guess 60. Who do you think? Terry, right around that, yeah, right around 60 or so now, average. Yeah, I think 60, 65 days, which is a good sign for us in our marketplace. Like Chris was mentioning, we have a lot of latent to the market, unrealized yet shorts and REOs that haven't been identified or haven't been tagged as an REO. There's a lot of people holding on with the fingernails month to month. If interest rates were to go up, it would shatter this market and we would have a substantial drop down in value again. So it's really precariously, I haven't seen it this way in 40 years, where we've had a double dip, and there could be a third dip here. And um, it's still a great time to buy real estate, because when it does come back out, it would have have flushed out all of the trash, and you'll have just pure quality real estate that's good value. Always buy the great location, and you're the best thing to do is find the best agent in that market that knows where the best transactions are to be made. Don't rely upon some third party that has no personal experience in the marketplace because there's always a reason why there's a there there. And that is the one thing that creates the value. There's microclimates, there's locational uniqueness, there's uh, linkages inside of a community that are unique. And if you don't know those things, you can be easily deceived by something that's on the web. You've mentioned financing. This price point that you're at, this this $750, $850 plus, what percentage of those properties are being financed? Almost all of them. It's funny you say that, though. The the largest transaction price point-wise that I've ever done was literally people writing checks and worrying about getting the mortgages later on. Um, But that was in the good times. Nowadays, almost every single property that we're involved in is having mortgages and most of them, you know, 75 to 80% uh, loans. I mean, almost, it's very rare. Uh, I guess we did do one recently that had a 
50% loan, but uh, for the most part, they're still getting 75 to 80% loans on them. Do you all have a niche in the market? Is, do you have a focus or a specialization? For us, uh, we haven't done that on purpose, but geographically, we've been pinpointed as the Alamo. So the market, there's a couple cities, if you will, that we work. Uh, Alamo is a smaller, roughly 5,000 population area, but it's connected to Danville, and Danville's closer to 50. Um, so when you turn around and, and look at it, we've been pinpointed, we all live there. So, um, it's just, you know, that's our neighbors. That's who we run around and play with. And so, um, just based upon that, that's where our, our, most of our business ends up coming from the Alamo market itself. And then there's a West side and it's West of the 680 freeway. And then there's an East side too. The West side has a a unique feel, very uh, lots of mature growth in landscaping. There's a trail system that used to be a railroad system, and it's been converted into a walking trail, uh, which provides a lot of activity for the weekends and um, people getting exercise. So it's a quaintness of a feel on the west side. So um, that draws a lot of folks, and we end up doing a lot of business on the west side. So we haven't pigeonholed ourselves, but and we're we're actually always conscious of making sure nobody does that to us and says that we're just Westside Alamo guys because we don't want to be just that. Uh, but that over the years, when you turn around and look back at your business, that still ends up being the bulk of our business. List the ways that you generate business. Probably some of our, our best ways of, of going about it and doing a lot of the, um, the prospecting and door knocking. Number one has been being face-to-face, belly-to-belly, going out there and humanizing yourself with homeowners. So door-knocking past clients have been two of our largest. You know, we are going to be venturing into, and we have been venturing into a lot of online, a lot of cold calling, and then there's a few other stuff, a few other different programs that we're on beta test with with a couple of different companies. To date, the best way that we have found is by doing a quality job for our current clients and having them becoming raving fans of us for the future. That has always been the number one because the best and highest compliment you can get is by having someone actually take the time to refer you to one of their friends and family because you did such a good job for them. And that's what we've always been about is being the absolute best we can be every single time out. So that, in a nutshell, is kind of how we've generated the majority of our business. What percentage of your business comes from past clients and referrals? Guys, I would say about 65% or more. You guys, what do you guys think? I, I think you're right there, Greg. I think uh, historically it's been a little bit higher because of the marketplace. But because more and more of what we're saying is that many of our past clients are not doing anything. They're just staying put. I think there's two reasons for that. I think we made good strategic investments for them in, in their home. And number two, our, our market is somewhat stable here. But uh, to replace the volume that we lost because our clients were not moving or refinancing or doing something else like that, we had to go back to our basics to generate people that we didn't know. And uh, that's caused us to go back and open up the books and go back to the basics again. You have to meet and greet so many people before you can find the real kernels inside of the, all the wheat they're going to be able to produce the 10 to 20 fold to put them in your cadre of people that you want to do business with for the next five to 10 years. 
Um, and I wasn't kidding about us not doing business with everybody. Would you do not do business with everybody if we have a sense that they're not ethical or there's going to be a sense of lying or cheating in the transaction? We just don't have time or place for that anymore. We never have, but we would never do that today. Um, the most important thing is the integrity part of doing the business. Um, and uh, for us, what we're looking for are those kinds of people that resemble our character and our, our quality that we look for either in a team member or in a business partner, which is really what a client really is. It's an extension of a business partner helping them find their, their dream investment. But that doesn't negate the methodology that we do. Uh, prospecting that we've used, we've gone to a program to use analytics to allow us to not to talk to every single person out on the street again, but only talk to the most highly, most likely people. Uh, a little company called Real Agile provides those kinds of analytics for territories and allows them to only market to those folks who have a higher percentage of moving or the likelihood of moving than the neighbor next door. That saved us a, a ton of time, and I, um, it works for us because we're prospectors. It won't work for people that don't prospect. I think that's a big thing that I've seen in the difference is that Chris brought up a point. We didn't move fast enough to get in the REO, and that was because of my own personal bias. Of, it's a, it's a, and it's an emotionally uh, draining business. It's not an easy business to be in. Ours has been a happy, exciting business. And so when you're dealing with somebody in the depths of depression, it, you really have to watch and keep your own emotions in check. But we do uh, door knocking. We do uh, uh, to generate the leads. We use expires. We do for sale by owners. We use event marketing. Greg's done a very good job of that. Uh, Greg, uh, Chris does a tremendous job of social networking on his biking group. And we pick up three to five transactions a year just for biking on Wednesday morning and on Saturday. Now, he loves doing that, but what a great time to be around people that like and trust him. And so that's my uh, feeling about it. Chris, what about your feeling? I'm a good wheel to follow. <laughs> One of the things I learned from Howard Brenton right when I got started was don't be a secret agent. And you cannot be shy about letting everybody know that you're in the residential real estate sales business. Um, that was probably you know, whether it's your character type or not of being a shy person, you have to, as he says, as Howard says, get out of your character, get into your role, and when you're out and about, that's your role. You can turn around and, you know, oftentimes what happens is with this biking group of mine, initially uh, I had to kind of bring it up that I was in the business. Well, shortly thereafter, all you took was a few people to be talking about residential real estate, and they would end up deferring to me no matter what. I didn't have to bring it up anymore. So it was a very short period of time of actually just needing to be the, the one that brought it up. Um, and Greg said, raving fans, that is absolutely huge. You have to keep uh, on the forefront who are your raving fans who have given you the referrals in the past and continue to ask them and continue to give them uh, the benefits of referring business to you. So we've had referral programs forever, and we've changed them and tweaked them around, but you have to have something in play uh, to end up, um, you know, thanking those people. How are you getting all these referrals? This is Greg. A couple of things that we do, we do a little bit of preemptive striking uh, so we can start kind of setting that in their minds. 
Um, what we do is when we do our prospecting, after we find a prospect, we follow up in multiple ways. We do handwritten cards, a lot of branded handwritten cards for our team. I ask everybody on the team when they do prospecting to write at least three handwritten cards a day. And the real gem of this whole prospect, uh, process is the fact that when we write our handwritten cards, we then put our, our business card in there along with one of four restaurant coupons here in town. We have you know, a $25 gift certificate to a really nice steakhouse. We have a $20 gift certificate to another nice restaurant. Uh, we have a buy one, get one free or a free appetizer or dessert. All different levels of restaurants, but they're, they're so different that every single person we talk to is going to like one of them. And we just thank them ahead of time doing the law of reciprocity, saying, hey, look, thank you so, so much for being kind to us. Here's something back to you just for being nice. Now, that sets the stage for, one, in a down market, everybody wants to go out, but nobody wants to spend the money. So we give them the ability to go out and get some quality time with whoever they want to get some quality time with. We also, every single time that they, they have to take this coupon, and they're, they're seeing us three times, four times, actually. We're on the return stamp. Uh, we're on the card. We're on our business card, and then we're on the uh, coupon with our brand logo and photos. So with that being said is when it comes back to the referrals after the close of business, when people think about us, they think of us because we continually are trying to do something nice and follow up with them and bring value to their lives so that we're not just a typical agent who's just taking from them. We're also trying to give back as much as we can. So that's one of our biggest um, attributes when it comes to um, solidifying future business with our current clients. And after the closing, do you have some type of mail-out program or email program or phone call program to those folks? Yes, we sure do. We are instituting something that we have been pushing for for a long time. We're doing um, the 8x8 and 33 Touch programs that Keller Williams has been doing for a number of years. We just completed our first 8x8 out. Um, it's about a little over 800 people. And we are going to do that through two different methods. One is going to be through our own mailing campaign, letting people know that we're still successful in the marketplace and showing them every time that we are through sold, just listed, and pending mail-out cards. We're also doing it through our door knocking and staying consistently in front of them. And then through our title company, there is a program cost three bucks or something, and they will send out uh, four cards throughout the year, just letting them know that, hey, we're still here. How are you? How's life? And then, of course, we do our calls that as we call through our database, naturally they're going to be in there and we have another opportunity to speak with them. So we're doing everything that we can to touch base with them and remind them that we're here. A lot of times real estate agents forget about following up with their past clients and I always relate back to the fact that real estate agents are in a, in a very loose way are kind of like movie stars. And when I say that, I mean this. I mean the fact that if you are watching your favorite actor or actress and they were in a bunch of movies in a quick succession of time, then they're the top of your tongue. You're always wanting to talk about them because they're always in something you're looking at. Well, that's like real estate agents and their signs out on the marketplace. If you're everywhere, people are going to just start calling you because that's what you're supposed to do in their mind. But if you fall off and you don't follow up with past clients and you don't try to drum up new business, you will go away and you'll fall out of their, out of their mindset. So... That's why we always try to stay up with our folks as much as possible through every medium that we can possibly find. How big is your past client database? We're cleaning it out right now. I think we, Chris, help me with the exact number, but my recollection, I think we had anywhere between four to 6,000 uh, contacts in our, in our database. 
I'm right on that. I'm pretty close on that, right, Chris? Yeah, our database right now, we're currently using an agent office, and it's about 5,200 people in there, but that does include vendors and other agents. Uh, so it's probably close to 4,000 in that realm. Did you say 4,000 past clients? Also prospecting, too, so it's uh, suspects as well. <laughs> Let's go back to lead generation for a second. Door knocking, you mentioned that you go out and door knock. Let's go into some details there. Where do you door knock? We do a couple different types of door knocking. One, we do right around our just listed, just sold, or just pending properties. We do about 100 to 200 homes right around there, letting them know our success like I talked about. Predominantly, we follow the the list that is generated for us by the company called Real Agile. They have a predictive analytics attached to it, so they can uh, predict who's going to be most likely to be selling in a geographical neighborhoods uh, within about six to eight months. Uh, we just hit our, I think, our eighth month with them, and the volume of property that they predicted six months ago that are now coming for sale is uh, astounding. And so we're sending out our door knocker, and I'm going out when I can, and I'm following that list. Whenever we go out, we're speaking to about 37 to 38% of the people uh, about every 15th door, we generate a potential new lead as long as we don't drop the ball. And that's why we implemented the 8x8 and a 33 touch to ensure that quality, that we do stay on top of them. And then we could do our th- handwritten thank you cards. Our door knocking is, is very, very specific and very scheduled. Uh, before you go out, I will run scripts with you. Chris will run scripts. Eileen, who's our office manager and basically who runs our lives, and we would not be half without her. She's amazing. Uh, we'll run scripts with the door knockers and make sure that they know what they're talking about, how to handle objections, how to act, go three deep and ask specific questions, and then most importantly, how to get involved in that homeowner's life and draw answers out of them. Because a homeowner can never be pushed out of a home, but you can definitely draw them out of their home if you show them a better alternative and get their mind going on what could be best for their lives. I talk a lot about the fact that we are in the people business, we just happen to sell real estate because we want the best for them. And if, it, if the best for them is staying put, we encourage them to do that. And we want, again, the law of reciprocity to kick in so that they will then see that we have their best interest and that they will, then they will uh, refer us to their friends and family. So we have specific sheets we use. We have buyer letters. We have renter letters. We have uh, just sold, just pendings, just, uh, just listed. We have invited to open house sheets. We have uh, an immense amount of different types of prospecting materials that we're always beta testing to see which one works. Hands down, though, the best thing that works more out, door knocking, is showing the homeowners, because, again, we've got to draw them out, showing them that we have something different and exciting that the other agents don't or won't do or can do. And that is find people who are willing to either sell or buy, but are not going to be open about it in the marketplace. And that's what we bring out with our buyer letter, showing them that we have buyers that are actively looking. And almost every single time that we use this, we get a reaction from the, from the market, and people will call us and say, hey, look, if this is for real and you're not just pulling my chain, then yes, absolutely we're interested. Right now, we currently have 32, uh, no, 33, excuse me, uh, 33 uh, people who are not on the market, these are homeowners, that would sell if we brought them a qualified buyer. So it's a, it's a very powerful part of the door knocking is when you go through these questions and you extract this information out and it makes you become more valuable both to the homeowner and to the future buyers.
Kind of like a pocket listing. It is. We call it the McDaniel Callahan MLS. No, for lack of a better word. <laughs> People love it. Uh, open houses, if you tell them, hey, look, we have our own MLS, they, their head's kind of cocked to the side and they want to know more about it. And we tell them a little bit more about it. And then we encourage them to work with us and take advantage of that. Um, but we would never try to steal a buyer uh, away from another agent. If there was a brand new agent and they said, geez, what do you say when you walk in front of that door? Could you walk them through a script? Absolutely. It's extremely easy. This is one of my most used scripts that we use all the time, and it just goes like this. So basically what you want to do uh, before you get out there, you want to make sure you're in professional dress. So for men, it's going to be, you know, I, I personally, for, my, for our team, uh, it's a shirt and tie and dress slacks and dress shoes. Uh, for women, it's, you know, something, uh, you know, to, to the same level. You show up at the front door, you have to have a handout with your name and your branding on it, with your contact information on there somewhere. If you don't have that ability, take your card, staple it to a monthly report of what the market's doing in your area. The homeowners will love that. So now that we know what we need to look like and what, what we need to bring with us, you go out there armed with a smile and ready to meet some folks. Now, it's okay to be afraid. You're absolutely going to trip, fall, and stumble all over yourself, but that's part of the learning process totally acceptable. Do not be afraid of that fact. Only be afraid of what you're going to miss out on if you don't do it. So script-wise, this is what we would do. Now, I walk up the door and I say, hi, my name is Greg McDaniel. I work with the McDaniel Callahan real estate team here in town. I'm actually out here today. I'm doing a little prospecting. And, uh, you know, we're looking for a few more homes to sell. And I was wondering if you folks might be able to help me out with that. And generally, they're going to re- look at me like I just told me that I'm third eye on the forehead. And uh, they would say, well, we're not selling. I said, oh, okay, well, that's fantastic. How long have you folks lived here? Because, see, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get involved into their life right now. I want to I get them talking to me. I don't want to just be talking at them. I want them to talk with me. And they'll say, oh, gosh, we've lived here for 15 years. 15 years? Oh, that's amazing. Where, where did you folks move from? They're going to tell me where they moved from. Oh, we moved from, you know, San Francisco. Okay. Now, what, what, what brought you folks out into the neighborhood? Was it a job or family or what, what made you make the move? And they'll, they'll give me a job. Oh, well, you know, my, wife, my wife's family is out here, and, I, and she grew up um, in the neighborhoods. There's a, there's a system called Ford, F-O-R-D, that you can use in any type of, of setting, either personal or professional settings, and that's what we try to work down. So the F stands for family. The O stands for occupation. The R stands for recreation, and the D stands for dreams. So you want to talk to someone and say, Ford, F, family. Talk to them about the family, spouses, children, extended family. Try to ask questions about them. You know, your parents live around here. Do your child, what schools do your children go to? So on and so forth. Occupation, what do, you, what do you or your husband or wife do? How long have you guys been doing it? Would you do it again? Gosh, tell me more about that. I have a friend that's interested in that. Something along those lines. Recreation. So when you're not doing X, Y, and Z as a profession, what do you folks like to do? Do you guys get out and do some mountain biking? Do you do surfing, windsurfing, sailing, you know, scuba diving? You know, anything that you think that you could pull them out and get them talking. You know, maybe, maybe they're boaters and they're not campers. You know, whatever it is. And then last but not least is, you know, the dreams. Where do you folks see yourselves in five years? Do you think you're still going to be around here? 
Do you guys want to just sell everything off and buy a motorhome and cruise the country? Take a look at old Civil War locations? I mean, what do you like to do? You know, where do you want to end up? Because then we will, hopefully at that point, we will have established enough trust that they will be willing to disclose information like that, and then we can get into how we can help them to get to that next step. Because people are not going to like you and trust you until they know that you care about them. So if you would like, I can definitely provide scripts and dialogues and techniques for anyone, any any of your listeners that would like them. Um, Some stuff that I put together for our own team, so I'd be more than happy to pass it along for anyone who would like it. Thank you. That'd be fantastic. We could post that up on the site and people could take a look. How do you know if they're a lead and if they become a lead, what do you do at that point while you're in front of the door? Uh, they'll give you some sort of an indication. Most of the time, they'll make a reference. And you need to, this is where the, your training is going to come in. You're going to need to listen to what the words are that they're saying, not just how they're saying it. Or You know what I mean? You, if they're saying something along the lines of, gosh, I don't think we'd ever sell. You know, we love this house. My husband kind of talked about doing investments you know, a little while ago. Most people, most agents won't hear that because they're so focused on looking for the listing. But that lady just told you right there that they haven't talked about moving yet, which means they're going to move at some point, obviously, and they're looking for investment properties. So start asking about their investments. What are they looking for? How do they want to diversify their portfolio? What kind of property? What range? What their timing is? The number one question is, are you working with another real estate agent? You don't want to waste your time because you know, I was told by Terry one time, and it's so true, that you only have your time and your knowledge to offer folks, and people will take advantage of you. So clarify and qualify. Make sure that, that people are not going to use you and then lose you. If they do have interest, what type of information do you try to collect from them? Their name, their phone number, uh, what kind of information are you after? We know their name for, through the Real Agile list. We know, you know, what, you know all that pertinent information for contacting. We can buy their phone numbers. But we would like to get their email and their best phone number, not, not whatever we currently have. So we try to get a phone number and email, but no matter what, you're, you're going to mark down on your sheet, card, and you're going to tell you're going to put a little something about their conversation, and you're going to put a coupon in that day when you get back for, to, to your office. Then you're going to put them immediately under the 8x8, which will then transfer into the 33 Touch programs, and I'd be happy to go into that more depth about that with any of your listeners as well. So that over the next year or 18 months, we will have touched them roughly 40 times with our brand and information and value add. And the national average says that between seven and eight times is when you brand yourself into a person's mind, and then you need to stay you know, front of mind or in front of them to get the business. Because um, 80% of all sales are done between the fifth and the 12th contact you have with that prospect. So that's why it's so important for us to stay in a, in a, in a you know, very regimented follow-up program that allows us to not let anyone ever fall through the cracks again. That's how we follow up with our guys and gals. You're doing this door knocking in the lower end. You would never go door knock in the upper end or luxury homes. Is that correct? Quite the opposite. We don't really have a low end. <laughs> um, our low end is in the 400,000s. I got my start door knocking along with Chris, we all, I mean, it's not uncommon for us to go door knock on a $3 million home. And the one thing I've found is that no matter who you are, how many, how many dollars you have in your bank account, you still put your pants on one leg at a time, and you still want to know what one of your biggest investments uh, potential value is. I've really never had 
a major problem with door knocking in the high-end market. I actually prefer it because the people there are usually very laid back and, and relaxed. As long as you go out uh, with a very friendly, service-minded attitude and not like, look, you're going to list with me today. I don't care what it takes. The wrong attitude, not going to happen. Go out there just looking to serve them, give them the information, and just willing to hang out and chew the fat and talk to, talk to them about the market around them. You're going to do just fine. Absolutely just fine. And so are people typically friendly or not when you go out? Do they sick their dogs on you? 99.9% of the people are going to be absolutely awesome. Some of my longtime friends, I have met door knocking. Actually, the, the gentleman by the name of Marty McCarty, who introduced Chris to Terry, Terry met door knocking three decades ago, two decades ago. And we've become fast family friends. So, you know, a large majority of them you're not going to have an issue with. But there are going to be some of those weirdos out there. Like I've had a, I had an elderly man in a walker chase me down his walkway, using his walker, yelling at me to get off his property. Um, I've had doors slammed in my face so hard I thought the door jams were going to break. Just recently, our newest door knocker was literally chased all the way down the street at full pace by some crazy homeowner. But those are the extremes. Those are the ones you look back and you laugh and go, holy cow, that person was nuts. But you also find the folks that are that will take pity on you and love to talk with you, will offer you bottles of water, will bring you into the air conditioning, will give you a bite to eat, will give you every single tip about every single neighbor. Um, one of the best techniques when it comes to doing that is what they call the carousel. Um, it's something that Terry taught us. You basically stand right next to the front door. You go shoulder to shoulder with the homeowner after you develop that little bit of bond of trust. You know, invading their space, and you look out at the neighborhood in front of you, in front of their house, and you point. You don't stop. You point to every single home. You say, what about that person, that person, that person, that person, that person? Or do you think any of them are going to be moving? And the reason why you do that is because when you immediately ask anyone, you know, hey, do you know anyone going to be moving or buying or selling? Their mind immediately goes blank. They can't think of anyone. But if you give them specific options, they will give you specific answers. No, they're a young couple. They just moved in. They work a lot. These are older folks over here. Uh, I think he just had a stroke. I don't know. I think their daughter's living with them. You know, these guys, we really wish they would move. You know, they start their motorcycles up at 3 a.m. You know, stuff like that. Let's talk about your online presence. You said you're doing some online marketing. How's that going? It's going well. We're venturing into a couple different beta tests right now with a few different companies on some theories some gentlemen have. We're on different lead rotation providers. You know, when people inquire about properties, we get those. Uh, We've been doing, actually, the best person to talk about this would actually be Terry. He's the one that's kind of spearheaded and led us into the online marketplace. So, Terry, if you want to take this one and and talk about online marketing, it would be great. Well, basically, the buyer side is generated from a pay-per-click or SEO work. You can Twitter. You can uh, Facebook yourself. You can do all kinds of blogs, you can do YouTube videos, you can spend a lot of time being in the production side of the business hoping and praying that you're going to get people to come back. You need to have good content, you have to have something that's compelling, and you have to have something that's unique and changing on a day-to-day basis to make yourself valuable. So if you look at the buyer leads coming from the cloud, which is what we teach, and then you look at the rooftop, which is what Real Agile provides the team in terms of what house to talk to most that is most likely to sell. The ability to be a market maker, which is what we are, 
we make a market when there is no market. When Greg was talking about the MLS that's not on the market, I mean, we, we know about those houses that would sell because everybody told us that they would sell. And if we have buyers who are working with all kinds of different brokers, what's the unique factor of all the other brokers? Really nothing. And so it, knowledge is the only temporary um, advantage that you have that creates the value for the individual agent. And that's where we believe that prospecting is the backbone, not only for making money, but also differentiating yourself from anybody else in the market. Any buyer can go to any website and get what's on the MLS because it's been fractured with information. It's marginalized. But the information that we have is unique, proprietary, uh, undiscoverable on an uh, unstructured database. And that's what we've done is convert that into a structured database for our team. Now, uh, I'm all in favor of using the online tools to generate business, but I think that uh, an agent needs to look at the time, money, energy, and people. If they're writers and they like to write, then they can go ahead and write. Uh, most of us spend our time looking at how we can develop content pages that drive traffic to people, i.e., our Alamo website, our Danville website, our Short Sale Sally websites. All these different sites have content that, that really focus in on that. Now, our Facebook has done extremely well for us in terms of connecting with our local community, uh, developing a relationship with other agents. But I tell you one thing that's been very, very effective is Greg's videos. I mean, Greg and Chris have done these videos month after month, posting them on YouTube and our website, and we just get traffic after traffic after traffic on it. It's, we're very, very beneficial to it. So. Um, I think Greg was being very kind to me about saying that, but really he's been, between Chris and Greg, they've really spearheaded the whole new generation of contacts with their new future clients. What do you mean by videos? I have dozens and dozens and dozens of free reports, uh, and what I do is I try to record a video talking about the, 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 the free report, and it would maybe talk about you know, something along the lines of, you know, three legal issues you need to know about when buying or selling the property. So. They're catchy phrases. They have good content. They're one, maybe two sheet reports, bullet pointed, so they're easy for the consumer to read, and they're they're applicable to anyone who's in the real estate state of mind. Uh, so we we're starting to record those. Uh, I've re recorded multiple different door knocking videos, just basically talking about what to bring, how to do it, when to go, what to say, and I've had people call me from all over the country in every single industry. I had a guy who uh, over in on the East Coast who called me about uh, about. You know, if I had any door knocking material to sell them, because he's in the he's in the roofing industry, but it allows you to get that conversation going, and then also do market updates. You know, hey, this is Daniel Callahan team. This is the week of uh, you know July 18th. Love to talk to you guys about the market. This is what we see happening year to date. Blah blah. Um, short, sweet. You can embed them into into emails and send them out to your farms, your past clients, or future clients, or anything like that. It's another way for you to become a human being and not just a smiling face with a name with a certain brokerage on a piece of paper. You need to humanize yourself. You need people need to know that you are a human, just like like they are, and you have the same worries and concerns that they do. But to get out there and do something different, look for niches in your marketplace. Look for ways that no one else is taking advantage of certain certain types of 
of marketing, which are so blatant, but everyone just forgets to look at them. Like I started a TV show uh, here in the Bay Area, ran for a couple of episodes, uh, just on public access, talking about the market, answering major questions. You know, just find ways that are cost-effective for whoever's listening to this in whatever marketplace that has the biggest return for your buck, but do it so when you, if you can do these videos. It doesn't need to be on a you know, you know, Hollywood you know, film crew with you. Get a flip camera. Get an iPhone. Get an Android. Get something. Start recording. Put it out there. As long as it has a content that's valuable to the end user, they don't care if it's filmed on whatever. Just get it done. Start building a repertoire of videos, and you will see success. People will start calling you. So you're videoing yourself talking. You're not videoing a screen, and you're just talking over it. No. Where are these being posted? They're on Facebook, and we're starting to build up our, our library of their reports. So those aren't out yet, but we're starting to record them. But uh, the few that we've done, they're out on our Facebook page. And, of course, you know, like everybody else, you know, they started working so well, we quit doing them for a little bit. But we, we saw that the, where our spike was, so we're getting back into it more and more and more. Are you allowing people to access this just by clicking on your site, or are you asking them for something in exchange, such as their contact information? Again, like I said a couple of times, we believe strongly in the law of reciprocity. So we, we, we give before we ask to get something in return. Right now, our videos, they're free. Anyone who wants to look at them, watch them, uh, knock your socks off. Uh, we, we're here to help. You know, what we ask for in return is this. If you have any of your friends or family uh, moving out here to the East Bay, send us a referral, we, and that's all we ask for. At the end of your video, are you saying something along those lines to the, the prospect? Are you saying, boy, and if you'd like more real estate information, give us a call or email me? Yes. They have to email us and with a good email address and name and number so that we can follow up with them. Of course, we're trying to data mine and get as much as we humanly can on these folks so we can start dripping out to them. We do the same thing for our moving truck, but uh, we're always trying to get that information so that we can then follow up with them. But yes, if they want the actual full report, if they want us to email the report to them, then they email at this email address. It's team at mcdanielcallahan.com, and we will send any report that you want us to just reference it in, reference it in the subject line. And uh, we, we anticipate, anticipate it to be a very, very successful campaign. And we, we should be able to launch that in the next two weeks. Your past experience with the videos so far, have you generated business from them? Yes. We know we, you can never really target where your business actually comes from because we have so many lines in the water right now. Uh, we ask folks a lot of times, people to say, oh, well, we just see you everywhere. Okay. That's our kind of our goal. We want to be the Coca-Cola of real estate in this area. If you, you don't walk in and say, I'd like to get a Pepsi, you walk in and say, I'd like to get a Coke at a restaurant. That's what we want to be top of mind for real estate. We are trying to drill down on people, but a lot of the times they honestly don't know where they really saw us last because we are literally everywhere. You've all mentioned prospecting multiple times. Do you try to set aside a certain amount of time to prospect? If so, how much time and who does what? Yes. We have team meetings every Monday, or at least almost every Monday uh, when all of our schedules will allow it. I do, or I, I try to set out and ask everyone on the team, how much can you give me this week? What can you do? I say, you know, guys, I will dedicate at least an hour to two hours a day, so I'll do between five and ten hours a week in prospecting. Nick, our current door knocker, he'll be out there doing 
about three to four hours a day on the on the streets. Chris, what what is generally some of the stuff that you can do? And then Terry, what are some of the general time frames that you can do? And uh, then we can circle back with uh, Caitlin and Eileen and everyone else. I have a little thing next to my desk right above my phone that has Chris Callahan perfect week. Do I ever hit the perfect week? No, but if you don't have something that actually plans out and ends up giving you guidelines like that, I think uh, you're never going to get to your goals. So you got to have them in front of you. you got to have them written. Uh, so what I do is I literally have on there everything from uh, exercise in the morning to time with the family. Uh, I have in there scheduled dinner time with the family. Do I, we always sit 6 o'clock? No. But um, there's literally day-by-day perfect week in their plan. And within that is prospecting. Uh, I have in there broken out to buyer calls, and then I have regular just straight-up prospecting. And then I also have in there uh, things that are set aside for, you know, our weekly Thursday brokers tour. Um, you got to go look at the houses. If you can't talk about the houses that are on the market, as Greg said earlier, you, you know, you're getting paid off your knowledge. Well, if you don't have much knowledge in the marketplace, you shouldn't be worth a whole lot. So get out there, look at the homes, because you might be the next listing agent on it. You might be having the next phone call talking about that house. If you didn't see it on Broker's Tour, you're not going to sound so sharp. So uh, there's certain things within the marketplace that you really, really, really need to end up going out there and doing. And and you know what? If you're going to be a realtor selling residential real estate sales and you plan on not working on Sundays, you might want to rethink the career. (laughs) Sunday is unfortunately a work day and we're all uh, you know churchgoers here and so that was a big thing with me going from a monday through friday business into a business that i knew i was going to be working on sundays and i just had to determine that that is you know from about 12 o'clock 12 30 until probably about five o'clock unfortunately sunday is a work day for me you pick up a great deal of buyer leads for that and not only that is from the listing side is you know, giving the leads to our buyer specialists. If you're going to have a buyer specialist on your team, you better have a, a source of lead generation for them built in. Otherwise, they're not going to hang around for very long. Uh, you have to teach them how to, to work that, you know, source. But at the same time, you need to have that ability to entice them with the listings on the team and the signs all over town and all the other stuff that you're doing to get to get leads coming and filtering into them. So, you know, in terms of prospecting, definitely scheduled uh, in my head. You, you know, you're going to have more people or more contacts made. Unfortunately, we don't want to bug people during the business, during the dinner hour, <clears throat> but I like to end up doing a Monday call evening, and from about 3, 4 o'clock on until about 6 o'clock, um, I don't like to call after 6 o'clock. That's just a personal thing because I know when I'm finally home, I don't want to get those calls, so... I usually kind of cut it off about 6 o'clock, but you will get a tremendous amount of people from 4 to 6 o'clock if you, if you call during that time. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Chris, you mentioned your perfect week and your schedule. You work Sundays. Do you work seven days a week, or do you take a different day off? Uh, as a friend of mine from the South said, I used to could. Um, now, I turn around, and as much as we can, end up taking Saturdays off. But you find yourself showing property 
for a couple hours here and there. It's you know rarely do you end up working an entire full full Saturday, but uh, for the most part you'll end up showing a house or two. Um, but back in the heyday when you know we were making hay while the sun was shining, we were full seven days a week. There was times where we would turn to each other and go, I think I'm on day 28. No no stop. You know like you just, every day we just keep going and going and going and going. Uh, so once again, the perfect week, you got to have to plan it. I plan, it became a thing of mine for bike riding on Wednesday mornings, and I was promised myself January of 2007 I was going to do this ride's been going in our area since 1984, and I said, I'm going to start doing this. They called it the bakery ride. I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to feel guilty about it because I work on Sunday. And you know what? I felt guilty about it. And I felt guilty about it for probably over a year until I finally probably picked up a lead, and all of a sudden I was like, hey, this actually works. You can actually do the do the something fun and turn around and still be prospecting. So then I called it jokingly with the team. I said, I'm going to go do my mobile prospecting. And so that literally became, well, Chris is going to go for a bike ride. He's going to go mobile prospecting. But I very rarely go on solo rides. If I'm riding outdoors, I always do. There's so many team rides around this area or scheduled group rides that that's what I'm going to go do. Wednesday morning, Saturday morning, there's one called the House of Pain on Saturday morning. Well, you, you oftentimes get an opportunity to chat with different people and the fluctuation of a Peloton and a biking thing. You're hitting, you're not next to the same person for an hour. You're next to the person for three to five minutes and then it, it'll fluctuate around. It'll move around. So it's, it's fantastic. It, it, uh, it's a really fun, fun way to end up prospecting. Jim, Greg and I were uh, gym goers for years and years and years. We picked up a lot of leads from going to the gym. Don't ever be a secret agent. Go to the gym, do your workout, but let everybody know what you do as a business. You know, and it's, it's a simple question. You know, hey, what do you do for a living? Ask them. You know what? The next thing that's going to come out of their mouth, what do you do? They're, it's it, it's a natural thing. You ask somebody in a store, can I help you find anything? They're going to say no, and then they're going to ask you, have you seen the cheese? Where's the cheese? Because there, there is something that they're looking for, but the natural response built into them is, oh, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just looking. So ask people what they do for a living. Guess what? They'll ask you what you do for a living. Terry, did you have any comments on prospecting? On a day-to-day basis, I think it's mostly uh, looking at where the team is going to go. I try to take uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays lunches where we'll gather uh, two to three people at a time and create an event so that every time you go to lunch, you have three or four people that you're talking to. It's not about real estate. It's all about the community or some of the kind of functionality that would uh, enhance their business. We've always had the philosophy, if you pay it forward, they're going to pay it back to you. I have a philosophy that when we go out is that teach me, this is the script on this one, teach me how I can help expand your business. And that script has been uh, very powerful for all of us because they'll say, well, gee, uh, well, how can we help expand your business? Because the law of reciprocity comes into effect. And you really want to help these people because they are good business people in your community. It's tough times right now. What a great opportunity for them to see that you'll help them find a job or find an opportunity to connect people. Because you're really a a good broker is a connector, someone that can see uh, a need and a want and put it into a marketplace is not just specific to real estate, but also to his community and to his other businesses that he's involved in, his church. How to help people, see a need, see a demand that might be needed, 
to be met and uh, connecting the parties together. That is probably what I do most of my time today. Now, when we do list a property, it's fun to go back out and do the very basics, which is just basically doing four houses down, eight houses back, and four houses back again, and just seeing people that you haven't seen in a long time. But this market is calling people to go back to the basics. The more you meet, the more the opportunities that you have in terms of generating more business for your company, for your team. Just can't overemphasize it enough. Do you all have a weekly goal for how many people you want to talk to or how many leads you want to generate? This is Greg. Generally, my goal is I would like to find one solid buyer or seller uh, a week. When we do our math, we break it all down and divide it all out and everything else. That's generally where it should come up. On average, using the Real Agile list, and I keep mentioning this company, Real Agile, um, because it is one of our main prospecting tools, and because we work it so heavily, it's paying off for us. But uh, using that on the phone when I'm doing my one to two hours, hopefully two hours uh, prospecting a day, it never seems to fail. Sometime in the second hour, I will start getting one to two solid leads a day or every time I pick up the phone. And that is kind of our goal, and then it's our job then put them in the 8x8 33 Touch and go out and talk to them, bring uh, articles of value, show, show our success, all yada, yada, to then nurture them and turn them into either a, a buyer or seller now or in the future. So that's an answer I try to go for every week. Chris, what about you? Two hours, trying to get two hours per day. Some days I'll turn around and get really into it, and I'll end up doing four hours. But within i got a couple of things in my head as I'm going and doing my lead follow-up is a lot of the people have been in our system for a long, long time. You know, we've had st- people that have been in there since, you know, 2000. One, I want to determine kind of where are they at right now. We have people that you look in our notes from past phone conversations with them and find out that it says that they were going to sell in six to nine months, and you look at the year that they were put in the system, and it was 2002, and they're still there. So kind of continually cleaning up your database, um, looking up, do we have their email address so we can end up email dripping in? So not just having trying to have a nice conversation, but also using the scripts that we have to end up getting better information within our system for follow-up to that particular person. So I can, as we're looking at the database in the agent office, I'm continually evaluating what information can I get out of them to put in here, and then keeping very, very good notes so that you talk to them three months later or six months later, some people you don't talk to, but once or twice a year, is you really want to keep good notes to jog your memory of what was the last conversation. Well, you know, Johnny was down uh, in his sophomore year of college down at uh, Santa Barbara University, blah, 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 blah. You you keep good notes because that's going to really end up shortening that conversation the next go around because sometimes they won't remember you, but if you clue in, you know, hey, the last time that we spoke, we were talking about uh, Johnny's down at Santa Barbara University. Well, they go, well, man, if I told him that last time, I must have liked this guy. And they'll open up very, very quickly to you, whereas if you don't remember anything like that, they'll, you know, I, the, the conversation is going to be very, very short. So keep good notes. Uh, you know, definitely keep your database as high as you can. And the, the script to turn around and end up getting email addresses is what you want to have is no pause. So the conversation's moving on, you're talking about something, and as soon as they're talking, 
and they're freely flowing in the conversation. You know what? I was just, what's the best email address for you? And just like it was off the cuff, hey, what was, what's the best email address for you? In case I want to send you something real quick. And most of the time, they'll end up telling you. But if you turn around and you're sounding like you're going step by step, and next thing you know, you're, well, number three on my list, hey, what is your email address? Well, you're not going to get it. They're going to, so freely speak, for, you know, but have those questions in your head that you want to get um, that email address so you can end up using the other systems to end up drip feeding them too. You've mentioned the 8x8 program. What type of follow-up are you doing with these people? Let's get into some of those details. The 8x8 program specifically is a program that is housed through a company that we use quite a bit. It's called MyRealEstateTools.com. And there are thousands of cards that you can choose from. Uh, you can completely customize them. But they're put into a series of eight weeks. We, the, the new prospect will get a new card every week for eight weeks for under $6 per person. So it's just a, a few cents per card that goes out. They're, you know, they're five and a half by eight and a half uh, cards, high gloss, four color, dual sides, the whole nine. Now, that is something that you, you can do custom messages, you can do stock messages, you can, you can take the front of one card and put it on the back of another card. Um, you can do really whatever you would like, whatever other kind of campaign that you would like as well. Uh, we found, we were introduced to them, I was coaching a broker out of uh, New York City in Manhattan. He and I were going back and forth on ideas, and he mentioned this to me. And I, went, I, I got so excited because I've been looking for something like this for years. Finally, it was made available to us. And we instantly put it into action. And then as soon as they get done with the first eight weeks, you roll them into the 33 touch. And the 33 touch is a combination of 33 additional touches over the next 12 months. And they are going to range from phone calls, emails, letters, cards, promotional items, um, that you're going to reach out and talk to these people and try to stay you know, front of mind. And, again, it's through myrealestatetools.com. And the, you can customize it any way that you'd like. And it is so mind-numbingly simple. All you have to do is pick your card, pick your sphere, who do you want to put in there, hit go, make sure your credit card doesn't bounce, and you're good to go. These things will go out like, uh, like clockwork, and you'll stay right in front of the prospects. So you've outsourced your follow-up as far as the structure and the postcards. We have. We're also uh, utilizing, uh, we're going to be utilizing an email follow-up drip program as well uh, that we're going to be able to drip out these very similar cards to these folks. We'll be touching them in a, in a new manner as well. So, yes, we have outsourced it. We have found that we all know what we don't know, and we all know what our strengths are. So we all know which, who, who should be doing what, and we've decided that our time is best spent out looking for or following up with new clientele. So to do the dailies and make sure that these cards are something that go out consistently, we found that it's better just to have someone else deal with it and make sure that they go out because they're guaranteed. In the 33 touches, you mentioned phone calls. I assume the emails, the postcards, those are all being sent out by myrealestatetools.com. But what about the phone calls? Is that happening by that outsource company or are you all doing that? They have a CRM embedded into their, into their system and you put them into, the, into your calendar so that you can either set it up so that you get email or you get text message reminders of, hey, you got to call John Smith today, you know, yada, yada. And also, here's a script. Here's your numbers. Now make your phone calls. And you need to do that. You can't, it can't be 100% automated. 
um, because you are still ultimately the agent. They still need to trust you and like you. So you've got to get on the phone and you've got to talk to these folks and build that rapport. If you want to do some outsourcing for phone calls, there's another company called uh, MyOutDesk.com. Uh, for $6.60 per hour per caller, you can have them make uh, outbound calls for you, along with a whole other cadre of, of resources uh, and services. Have you used that company? We are in the midst of interviewing them and building it into our budget for the upcoming year. We have not used them to date. They do come highly recommended by almost every Keller William agent ever used them. Gary Keller endorses them, and a few other folks do as well. So it's, this isn't someone we found in the Yellow Pages. The, the, one of the things that we haven't talked about, though, when it comes down to prospecting, marketing, and follow-up, is that you need to do market data research. You need to go in. You need to figure out what your average price is. You need to figure out your days on market. You need to figure out your turnover rates. Um, you need to also look at if there's a dominant agent or team in a specific area so you know where to spend your time and money. Because if you like the upper end, but the upper end isn't selling, you're going to do a lot of marketing and not get a lot of return. Go into an area where homes are selling and where they're, try to find one where there's not a completely dominant agent that gets everything. That will dramatically increase your sales volume and help you see success sooner than later. How have you done that? How did you do that market research? Did you all do that yourself? Did you outsource that? No, I do it myself. I was taught by Terry and Chris. Those two are the masters at numbers. Basically, if you want to look at your turnover rate, which basically means how many homes in your area sell every year on a percentage. So you take the total number of homes and divide it by uh, or into the number of sales will give you a percentage. So if you have, um, okay, here's an example. In Alamo, we have 5,208 single-family homes. Well, we had 152 sales. So I took 152 divided by 5,208, and I got a 2.9% turnover rate. Nationally speaking, 29 is pretty darn good. You know, we, we are three different marketplaces we're working into. We have a 2.9, a 4.2, a 3.4, and a 3.9% turns. Those are good. Those are acceptable. You want to work in those areas. Um, if you have a higher than a 3%, God bless you, you are in a very good marketplace. Um, I've seen everything from a 1%, less than 1%, to a 12% turnover rates. But on average, you should be between the, the 3 to 5%. And that'll help you target an area. Do you all do geographic farming? Yeah. Chris? Yeah, absolutely. We don't limit ourselves to getting pigeonholed by other realtors in the marketplace in being designated as one particular area because it makes it difficult to go outside that particular area. So we, they want to pigeonhole us as a West Side Alamo. We, we don't want to do that. We want to end up being broader than that. But at the same time, you definitely have a military you know, base that we you know, call home base and then uh, work out from there. So internally, we definitely have a structure built for strategically going after Alamo and then the outerlying areas. Um, but, you know, outwardly in terms of advertising and everything that anybody else would see, we don't want to give that impression because we still want to be able to get a phone call from one of the outerlying areas and, and go help and service them as well. Let's move into your sellers. How many listings do you currently have? Well, we keep selling them, so that's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> yeah, in terms of active inventory, it, it's it's really not, it doesn't sound that dramatic. It's not that much, but, uh, you know, currently we have uh, five pendings. So yeah, current inventory, we've 
as we were talking about earlier with the days on market shrinking down, uh, the last you know Westside Alamo listing that we did, we ended up you know putting it up on Thursday Brokers Tour, and we were sold by Monday afternoon, uh, or pending by Monday afternoon. So we are ended up um, selling them very quickly. So our our inventory is rotating very quickly right now in terms of holding a lot of listings. We really don't have a number of listings currently on the board, as we say. Because we're something that we we use in our marketing is the fact that we don't just list homes, we sell homes, and that's one of the biggest things that we that we continually try to do. You know, two or three weeks ago, I got really nervous because we ultimately we literally sold all of our listings. Uh, we just crushed it in May, and then rebuilt in June, and now we're crushing it in July. And so, you know, on some of our best months, where our carry rate is about twelve. 12 listings. Chris and I got so close a couple of years ago to getting uh, 22 listings uh, on the board, but then we sold a bunch of them. Uh, and our price point, given the fact that we're at the, you know, roughly, you know, on average to date, our average sales price in all in our county is seven seven uh, seven hundred and six thousand dollars. In our market area, we're in the eight hundred to a million dollar range um, for average sales price. Actually, a million thirty nine thousand is actually our average sales price to date. So in that range, we don't need to do high volume. We just need to do high quality of work, and we'll still get a very, very, very good return on our investment for time and energy. Why would a seller hire you? What is your competitive advantage? Well, we're family-based. We have a picture of three guys. I'm not sure if your listeners will see our image or not, but that image of us in the three, three of us in the blue shirts, um, it is our single largest attraction for people that want to work with us you know, on top of the fact that we are very good at what we do and we treat people with respect and honor and, you know, get back to them and all that good stuff, people like family. Our image probably wouldn't work in Beverly Hills, but it works well here because this is a family-based community. Well, Terry, you started this whole team. Fill us in a little bit about why you wanted to bring us in on this whole thing and build this family team. Well, I think you're right, Greg. I think people look at us as a family-based team we would get comments, well, how come you don't have a woman on the team? And the moment that we introduced uh, Greg and Chris, and, you know, Chris is legally not my son. He's got a great dad already. But he looks very similar. And so you get the boys with you. And no objection ever came again. As soon as they felt like they were dealing with a family-based operation, it was um, it was like night and day. We really didn't plan it that way, but that's how it happened. It was a very good thing for us. We have um, all our compelling ability is that there's lots of good agents out there, but there's only one market maker in Alamo, and that's our team. We make a market when there is no market, and we start to show how many homes that we've sold that are, have been on or off the market, and that just becomes a compelling story. And, oh, by the way, here's a list of some of the buyers that we have that are standing by ready to buy a home that we'll expose your home to as, as soon as we have your permission to go ahead and do that. And so you go into a presentation, and Chris and Greg have really gotten very, very good. When they're talking about scripting, everything in the whole entire presentation is scripted from the time they walk in to the questions that they ask in the middle and the end. And so they're closing the entire way through and so that you're not broadsided with, well, I want to think about it at the end or I have my cousin that's going to buy a house for me and I'm going to give him a special deal. We don't get those kinds of objections because we ask those up front. 
on a scale of one to three, one being you, you really would like to know the value of your house, but number two, you you uh, you have a friend that's already going to sell it for you for a heavy discount, or you've got a sister that's going to do it, or three, hey, uh, whatever the value you come up with, that's the value that I'm going to list with you today. Where would you rank yourself right now? By using the one, two, three, which is a proprietary thing that we developed, it really makes a big difference. You really get people right on the spot to give a definitive answer where they are mentally. And, uh, you know, does this seem right? Does this seem right? Does this seem right? Well, if it seems right, let's move forward then. Bam, you've closed. But it's all assumptive all the way through. Now, do we make mistakes on it? Yes. But we're getting up to bat so many more times now that that even though we're not getting every single listing, the ones that we get are the ones that we really want, and uh, the percentages are moving back up to that 75 to 85% that we would get before. So practice, practice, practice. Get the script down. Practice in front of the mirror again. Learn from what you made the mistakes on. But also concentrate on the things that made you successful. Stay with the basics. Go back in there. Study it. Your listing presentation, you said it's structured, it's scripted. Is it in a booklet? Are you doing it on a computer? How are you formatting it so that you stay on script? That's a great question. We're actually in the process of uh, switching to an iPad presentation. It's been on a binder, nice, you know, nice binder uh, format with, you know, plastic sleeve inserts and uh, that we've been doing that for years and we are moving towards getting it done on uh, an iPad. So that's been a fun a fun challenge. It's been fun to, to purchase an iPad and, and mess around. We're PC-based in the office, uh, so it's a little bit different to, to jump to the Mac and, and start playing around with it. But we've had some agents that have their presentations already on the iPad that they've flipped us and sent us their versions. Uh, different marketplace, though, so it was, it was you know, a lot of marketing that was totally, totally different than ours. So we're having to kind of start from scratch and 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 build it. So yeah, we're right in the right in the process of kind of changing it from. The nice thing about the booklet, though, I got to tell you, is the ability to to instantly speed up, slow down much, much quicker than I think even the iPad would would allow. And after knowing where things are located within that binder, you can quickly go to different sections and. If you're feeling like it's just time to close and get moving on, then you just, you know, flip to the back and, you know, as a as a friend said one time, press hard. There's three copies, so you just go right for the close. So um, we're still going to have that booklet. We're going to still have that ability. If it's a you know non-techy older generation, we might end up still just pulling out the old binder and going that route. How long is your typical listing presentation? So we do a first-time appointment for the CMA. Uh, we do, we definitely like to have a a, a two appointment presentation where we go for the first time, see the home, have them show us around. What did the, what did you do to your home, et cetera, et cetera. Find out if there's competition, and then end up building the presentation for the uh, the second go around and the actual listing. Um, if we can get them into our office, we've got a very very nice broker office, and then we have a private office within that broker office itself. Nice conference rooms, uh, show them our office, but at the same time, and try to have the buzz of the the actual team members going at the time that people come in, and then take them to a nice conference room and do the presentation there. That's that's the ultimate goal. 
and try to be the last presenter if we can as well. So, but then again, we've also been first presenter and you know had the pleasure of calling the other agents to cancel their appointments. So, it, you know, it's one of those things that you, you just, we take it, the appointment as it comes for that second go around and try to and try to wow them with that overall time. First time CMA there, it's usually about 45 minutes to an hour. Really trying to make that connection with them, and then the second time the presentation for the listing is is roughly about the same. Really, I've had them be as long as three hours. Uh, I just ended up doing one, and both husband and wife and myself for you know as I said earlier had the gift of gab, and it literally was about three hours that we were kind of hanging out. Really nice people, knew a lot of mutual people, and you know next thing I know is leaving, and it was three hours later. So. Um, and we did, and we got the listing as well. So you know, and was that the ultimate uh, kickover? I don't know, but you know, at the end of the day, that's who I was. I I wasn't forcing myself to just absolutely. I was dying sitting there talking to them. I was enjoying myself, and I think that they felt that and saw that, and and they picked the person that they really felt like they wouldn't have a hard time picking up the phone and calling me. So yeah, it, it really making a connection with the people is the ultimate. That we want and this is part of our scripting within the listing presentation, is we want the people that we do business with to feel as though they are a part of the team and we're all a team in selling your home together. That is why we've developed this team approach to doing this. We've explained earlier on in in the uh, presentation that we use the doctor script is when you end up going in to see your doctor, you're not checked in by the doctor, you're checked in by the receptionist. And then you might go into the off there, into the actual room, and you might get uh, blood pressure and some things checked by a nurse practitioner. And then ultimately you might end up seeing the doctor that day, or then again, maybe that day you don't see the doctor. And then if you really, really had something going on, you might end up having to see a specialist or a surgeon or something as well. So we've developed the team approach to be we want you to feel as though you can talk to any of the team members, but at the same time, everybody has a job and a job description that they're really, really good at. And uh, by all means, here's my cell phone number. That's usually when I end up giving my cell phone number. You can call me for anything, but at the same time, you know, if it's going to be brochures or some other things, there might be a team member that helps you with that as well. So just explaining all the way through, but assumptive closing and using words that are already in working with them so you're literally in your scripting is, well, you know, when we get going or when we do this together, when we put up the sign, when we, that's all built into the way that you talk within the scripting of the listing presentation, you're already working for them and they are already a team member on the team. Do you all send out a pre-listing package? We have a trifold. We haven't used it in a while. We were doing the trifold for a while and frankly, it seems like a lot of our marketing and other things that we do we're just uh, getting in the hands of people that other agents that we'd really prefer not to so uh, we we started to limit the amount of material that we do drop off and give uh, we felt like we were just uh, people were really kind of not only using us for the quote unquote the number uh, they were already had an agent picked and already had something in mind that they were going to do. They just needed justification for the number that they thought that it was going to be and that the other agent told them it was going to be, but it was Uncle Joe, so we better check and make sure Uncle Joe's number's right. And then we'd leave and we'd go look at each other and go, I don't think we're getting that one. And you could just feel it because they were literally trying to pick it apart all the way through the process exactly how you're doing it. And next thing you know, you were right. You, know, you just 
you got the email saying we're going to go with somebody else, and you, you, it just you could kind of almost feel it that they were just trying to justify their number and the process that the other person told them that they were going to go through. So we've limited the amount of material that we do end up dropping off and giving. Is there a way that you prevent that problem, this problem of them just checking you out, looking for at your numbers? That's a good thing. So we've actually built that into the listing presentation, like Terry said, within the scripts are you know, you end up at this particular point still with a binder, but you almost, you kind of open it and then you shut it again. And you say, you know, this may sound really funny, but we really do have things that we've worked years and years, lots of money, time, and effort that's gone into this presentation and what we do that's different than other agents. It's different than other teams out there. So before we kind of get started, I want to make sure that everybody's well aware, you know, I, I kind of joke about it, but at the same time, I'm really, really serious that we really don't want any of this stuff shared with other people in the process that we end up going. Is everybody cool with that? Okay, great. Okay. And then we're going to go ahead and get started. So now, rightly or wrongly, people are, you know, there's different character types and some will end up, you know, you know, they can go with the other people and they're still going to try to turn around and remember what you just told them within that presentation. But at the same time, it, it might limit uh, everything that we end up doing, getting you know, presented or shared with somebody else. It, it's going to be an honor system. We don't end up making them sign anything, but at the same time, I look them square in the eye, and I and I turn around. And frankly, you really get a lot of feedback of who you're dealing with on the other side of that kitchen table, too, because if you look over at them and you kind of do the old binder half-open thing, you will get an eye. You're, you're going to get people look you straight in the eye, or they're not going to look you straight in the eye. And right there alone, you're going to end up knowing where you stand already on on doing this listing presentation, but not only that, is if you are going to do this with these people and sell, help sell their home, you know, what you're dealing with. You're quickly evaluating what, you know, you're going to be dealing with within that listing itself. Let's talk about the team. It's not just the three of you. Who else is on the team and what are they doing? The team was really originally, of course, founded by, by Terry. Uh, he, he was an agent for, what, 30 how long have you been an agent for now? Since 1973. So uh, that would make it, what, 39 years? Can that be possible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All I know is my picture when I first looked at it looked like it was in kindergarten. <laughs> I just look like a silverback now, so. Terry <laughs> started it and then, you know, was a single proprietor for a number of years. Came out here, uh, we talked about before, Chris joined him, and then I was allowed to, to join the team. We are now in a point where we have uh, two other buyer's agents, three other buyer's agents, excuse me. We have Eileen, who's our office manager as well, who is invaluable. We have Caitlin, who is one of our new hires, who is a very intelligent young woman who actually just got married this last Saturday. Who's gonna, when she gets back from her honeymoon, she's going to hit the ground running. We have Sue Winter, who's been on our team for a while, who's a buyer's agent. And we're looking to acquire another two agents who will be buyers working in specific geographical areas in a certain amount of homes, and that will be where they live. That's, that's like, that is their entire reality and world when it comes to business. Um, we would like to, currently we have a total of nine folks on our team, five to six practicing licensed agents, um, and we would like to grow that to you know, a, a 12 to 15-plus person licensed agent team within the next three years. But we need to do it um, specifically you know, for certain ethnicities that we do not work, uh, such as the Hispanic market, uh, we are looking to acquire a, a fantastic uh, Hispanic agent and Hispanic prospector, you know, as well as an Indian agent and an Indian prospector. 
for for specific areas that we know are there's wonderful business and you know fantastic families that need help but we just don't have those abilities yet but that's how we're strategically looking at it and then giving them roles and responsibilities a, a certain amount of uh, homes that they work and then they're responsible for generating x y and z together so that's kind of one of our uh, one of our growth goals let's talk about this door knocker for a minute because that's kind of unique how did you find this person? How often do they door knock? How do you compensate them? Nick is the son of one of my past clients who I you know, worked with about five years ago. We do a, a couple of special events a year, one of which is a Cinco de Mayo party that we throw. This year, uh, his father and Nick showed up. We, I hadn't seen them in years. Um, had a great time talking with them. Nick had just graduated high school a few months ago. So before he goes to college uh, for his freshman year, his parents wanted to get him in there, get him a, get a little bit more training under his belt, kind of open his eyes up to what the business world might look like and get a work ethic established. So we, after talking and you know figuring out logistics, we decided to bring him on for a couple of months between, you know, between high school and college and get him out there. Majority of our door knockers have been either you know friends of friends or you know family members or past clients or something along those lines, which then we train and we give them specific goals that they need to achieve. They agree to them. We compensate them through hourly wage that we pay them and then get them out the doors. How many hours a day does the door knocker need to knock? Minimum of two to three hours. Personally, I would like to have them out there like what I was doing and Chris was doing and what Terry was doing for years. I would like to have them out there between four to five hours a day. That does wear on you both physically um, and mentally. So I've come to the realization that today's day and age, youth are not going to put in the same amount of work that we did because they're just not. So what can I, what, what do I need to expect and ask for? I need to expect and ask for what is real. So three hours, I'm very pleased with that. As long as they can do, we know that in our marketplace you can door knock 25 homes an hour. So if he can get in 50 to 70 uh, doors a day, I'm very pleased with that. How are you utilizing technology in your business? You've mentioned uh, real agile. Uh, tell me more about that. Well, um, about four years ago, um, we found this company that specializes in predicting using mathematics to convert the randomness of a marketplace into a more systematic approach. We, uh, we just couldn't work any more hours than we did in 2005. So we had to figure out a better way to spend more of our quality time with people that are more likely to do something than those just random. And uh, so this company created a mathematical model for every particular market that they would go into. In the Alamo and Danville market, they're able to predict somewhere between 20 to 40% above the norm. Uh, in any particular month, two to three months in advance. So it gives you just a half a step head start ahead of your competition and where you're just spending your time and money. As we've found out over the last three or four years, a good agent just needs a little bit of help to be significantly better, a half a step ahead of his competition. In fact, a friend of mine that's a chiropractor told me, he said, listen, the reason why he was hired for one of the professional soccer teams is because he was able to give them a half a stride uh, and 100 yards. And I started to think about that. That's really what the difference is, is the ability to use technology as a friend rather than something that is a complainer. If you look at the age of most real estate agents, 
I think the mean age is close to 55 to 58 now. The, the fear factor of using technology uh, has prevented many, many of them that are very good agents from employing it. We have been, been, taken another approach to it. We not only want to employ it, but we want it to, to be able to incubate it into a very, very highly productive tool that we could use to help our clients, and it's turned into that. So it doesn't make a difference if we're using predictive analytics or if we're using pay-per-click. We're always looking for the return on our investment. How much money did we put out? How much money did we get back? And how much time did we have to do something else that gave us a leverage? And we're always looking for that leveraging of our time, money, energy, and people. It's some type of software that is trying to predict who's going to be the next mover? It takes a couple hundred variables, pulls them down to about 22, 27 in some markets, and then it breaks it down to about 11. And then it ranks every single house from the most likely to the least likely house to sell. So there's a, a series of scores that are developed by that company called the Move Score that they have a patent pending on it. So the ranking of scoring of properties throughout the United States, they do it all over the country. But I'll give you, for example, if you looked at a direct, the real test is in the results part. If you look at what direct mail is, what would you think a, a good direct mail response rate would be on a piece of mail? The national average runs around three-tenths of 1%. You know, we always figured if we sent out 10,000, we may get one brick back. On our postcard that we use from Real Agile, it produces 4.1% response rate. That means for every... 100 cards, we get four people calling back asking for the value of their house, of which somewhere around 11 to 13% of those will also ask for a monthly update. So we have 550 people in our database, of which 13% of the people have asked for monthly updates. So you keep incubating and maturating that lead and inundating them with information, you have a higher probability being the chosen ones, 70% of the selection process of an agent, they take the very first agent. Well, we just want to be the first agent that comes to the mind when they're thinking about making a move or that state of change that they're in. You want to be absolute first place in their mind in the most likely time that they would be in a state of change, and that's what that company specializes in. So it's been a very effective tool for us. Every 15th door generates a buy-sell lead for us. Our just-listed, just-sold cards, which we don't do as we did in the past, produces a 1.5% response rate every single time that we send it out. And we track every single one of them. They come back to our landing page website. We know that there's not Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It's Bob and Mary Sue at 144 Muir Lane, Alamo, California, we know that that person, because they have a special code, that only that particular household can get into to know the value of their house. So it's been very effective. They use it all over the country. But for our team, it's been extremely beneficial because we're able to work very closely with the owners of that company. Sounds like it could reduce the cost of a direct mail campaign. It sounded like the response rate was higher which means effectively you could spend less money to generate more leads. Has that been true for you? 
It has, and it's sort of interesting about the math. If you look at what the response rates are, it's about eight to nine times factor, um, which a direct mail response rate would be if you just mailed out to the blanket market. So they only, we only mail to the top 10% of the marketplace. So every month we get a list, we mail to that list, and then they um, send out a postcard, and we measure every single month the activity based upon those cards. And that 4.1%, there's no doubt, because we can track every single one of them coming back in. You know, most agents, you know, how much, what's your response rate? Well, I get one every two or three years. They can't tell you because there's no way of tracking it. This is tracked. They have a code. They come back to the website to get the value. But what we've found is that when we go into the street, it's every 15th house because we only talk to those who are on the top 10% of the list. So it makes a big difference. Completely different way of doing business. Now, is this the only prospecting method? No. It's just designed to take the new people that you don't know, the business that you want to create that you don't have a client in right now, to go out there and use this because you don't have unlimited money like you had in 2005. We had to be much more conservative, much more focused, and rely upon mathematics to make a better decision for us just in random, random guessing. If somebody wanted to look into this system, where would they find more information? Uh, you can go to Real Agile, R-E-A-L-A-G-I-L-E dot com, realagile dot com, and they can find out information about it. And then uh, on that, on the, some of the pages, they have uh, testimonials of people. And it's not a quick fix, but it is a systematic approach that converts the random haphazard prospecting systems that most of us have into a systematic year-long program. If you stay in the program and you do the prospecting, you'll generate business. So it's very effective. Highly, highly recommend it to you. What drives you? Well, um, Howard Britton a couple of years ago asked me that very same question, and I had to think about it. And basically it has nothing to do with money. What it is is that there's ten reasons of why I do what I do personally. One of them is to keep good people away from bad brokers. My job in life is to keep good people from making or being influenced by someone that doesn't care about them. You know, after 39 years in the business, I, I can go back to the people that I've dealt with 40 years ago or 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and go to dinner with them because I know that at that moment in time, I gave them the very best information that I could possibly give anybody. And so my mental attitude is that my focus is I'm a servant in a non-servant world. And so it's, a lot of it is based back to our Bible-based uh, thought processes that we do our business and we have a Christian perspective on how we do business. And um, it's just the way that we operate. More than happy to give you a copy of that if you'd like to have a copy of it. And then from, from a motivational standpoint, one of the things that uh, I learned a long time ago Happy are those who are dream dreams and are willing to pay the price for them to come true. There is nothing free. There is nothing. You have to expend energy, time, money, and energy to achieve any success. Nothing comes by randomness. You have to be focused. And I'm not judged by the number of times I fail, but the number of times I can succeed and the number of times I can succeed are direct proportion to the number of times I can fail and keep trying. So, you know, you just start thinking about those things 
they become so rote in your mind process. And you have to realize is that you can't save everybody. You can only save those who want to be saved. So you just have to have that kind of mental attitude towards people. And most people are doing the best they can with the information they have. Unfortunately, they haven't met you yet so that you can help them. That's where you have to come out. And then the final thing is that when I was growing up, there was a real thing called polio. And I always wanted to be the doctor that discovered polio because my neighbor next door had polio. And I saw what she had to go through, and I said to myself, if I had that same mental attitude when I go into business, that's what I want to do. So I want to save people from the bad stuff out there. And so I always, when I go out knocking on doors, it's always Dr. McDaniel going out to knock on doors to save people from bad people, the polio complex. So it's worked very well for me. You know, I don't get the kind of rejections that, uh, and I never really did, because um, I always had this smile, and they used to have call me the cookie and milk face kid. Come on, Terry, come on in and have some milk and cookies with us because I look younger than their kids. I mean, I started when I was 23 years old. I mean, um, you know, I just, it, it's, to me, it's just a natural way of meeting people. Never be afraid to go introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Terry McDaniel. I'm with the McDaniel Callahan team. And then what, first thing you do is tell me a little bit about your business. What are you doing? What do you see happening in the community? Just like Greg was talking about. All this entire thing is all between six inches, your brain. And I can't overemphasize that enough is that if you get down, you better have a team like I have. I mean, these guys have kept me alive mentally so many times, and I'm hoping that I've kept them alive mentally many, many times. But without each, all three of us working together, um, the other two can pull the other person up. In this business, it's not about selling houses. It's about keeping your right mental attitude because then you can help people if you have that attitude. Greg, what drives you? I had a, a woman I was dating a while back and about a year ago had three very distinct, blunt conversations with me because at that point in my life, I was didn't really know which way I wanted to go. I was kind of going through like one of those you know, quote-unquote midlife crises, you know, what am I going to do, woe is me. And she told me point blank, Greg, you don't make enough money for me. And when you hear that, my personality, I took that as a personal challenge to become the best that I can possibly be so I never hear those words again come out of anyone's mouth. Um, and I'm able to take my success and I'm able to help other people. So what drives me is, is, is to be able to change my destiny, change my stars, work and then be able to help other folks, both agents and homeowners, be able to reap the, reap the benefits from my hard work and, my, and building the team the right way. I've been in real estate since I was in high school, essentially, holding open houses and, you know, doing, you know, folding the, the, the newsletters that would go out and everything else. And I've really, I found that I really do love this business. And that is what keeps me going on a daily basis. I always continually want to see how much better I can get myself to become. Can I push my limits to the point where I exceed all expectations? and then I blow my numbers out of the door, that I can be better than what I expected myself to be. And there's absolutely no way to do that uh, as a single person. You have to do that with a team. I can tell you right now that I have the best supportive group of guys and gals um, ever, and I am so thankful that I was able to uh, join this team, and I could not do it without them. But that truly what drives me is, one, 
helping people get to the next stage of their life no matter what it is, and two, building and becoming the best, strongest, fastest, smartest team in the industry in the shortest amount of time, and I love the challenge. Chris, what drives you? When Greg had taken a little bit of a hiatus, they were really getting another business up and running, and he ended up coming back, and when he came back on the team, it was full force, and as Terry mentioned prior, and you've probably gathered through the interview, is uh, prospecting is is Greg's thing, and he challenges others around him just by leading with the example and doing what he's doing in hitting the doors, getting on the phone, doing it, so he you know, re-brought me up to a level of prospecting that I needed to be at. Uh, and it was uh, the challenge of, uh, you know, I had more than enough potential phone calls to make in that system. Uh, there was so many people within there that needed to get a phone call, and it just needed that kick in the rear to say, you know what, it's, you know, I'm, I'm doing it over here, and I'm doing cold calls. Yours, you actually know those people, or you met them sometime in the past. So, you know, pick up the phone and start calling them. And just as the door is the first one's the toughest, and you, you know, oh, my gosh, I haven't talked to them in like a year. How can I make that phone call? You know what? Figure out something to say and just get on the phone. And if they're not nice to you or something like that, move on. Terry's got a little sticky note that's been on his computer forever, and all it says is next. And dot, dot, dot. That's it. And all it says, next. So you really got to turn around and end up having that ability to kind of shug it off go to the next one. But, you know, going back to the original question, what really gets me going is I wake up, I try to be a godly man, I try to live as a great husband for my my family, and uh, and I try to end up putting myself third. Do I succeed? No. Oftentimes I put myself in first position. Uh, but, you know, biblically speaking, <clears throat> that's what I try to live towards is God, family, and then self. And I have a thing on the other side. The perfect week is on top of my phone, on the left side of me is my 2011 goals, and I rotate year by year, and it's broken out into religious, family, health, and career. And it gives me not only daily, but weekly, monthly, and yearly goals within those particular uh, categories. And um, as we've said, I think the other guys have already said it, and I will too, is whatever we have, we'd love to share it with anybody. We can PDF stuff and email it out. So, you know, feel free to contact us. Um, but I can't even remember where I ended up originally finding that thing, but I've probably been doing that for, oh gosh, you guys have probably seen that online thing for 10 years, haven't you? Mm-hmm. So it really keeps me focused on, you know, categories of the way that I see, you know, life and living, and and uh, and that's just really kind of gets you refocused. But I tell you what, prospecting-wise, I it was tough times, and... Right now, we will hopefully we'll be shining light for others that are out there, and it's you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. This will change, and we want to help as many people as we can get through that, and we help each other. There's that saying, "Team together, everyone achieves more." We all grasp that. We all believe that. And some days you're down. Some days you're on vacation. I got a vacation coming up, and sometimes you're the one that's that's got it but you know what it makes it uh it makes it nice when you can shrug off the entire weight for a while because when you come back you're recovered and you can carry a lot more weight to give somebody else a break 
Gentlemen, is there anything else that you would like to talk about that we didn't address? I guess there's a couple of things just to do a quick recap. And this is the most important things, and this is what changed my life and changed my viewpoints and changed everything. And it's very, it's extremely simple. And if you follow this, you will succeed. And you're going to be one of only 3% of the entire United States uh, that will do this. Write your goals down. Be specific with them. Come up with a game plan. I don't care if it's doing two deals a year. Figure out how you're going to do it. Put it on paper. Work your process. I will send you mine. I will send you everything and anything I have to walk you through. I, I have mine right in front of me. I have a, I have a five-year plan. Where I want to go with my 8x8 and 33 touch alone, then I have our online, I have our door knocking, I have our mailing, other cards, and I have exactly how I want to break it down. It's realistic, and it's, and it's something that we can build to. So put that down. Also, write down your goals, personal and professional, like Chris was talking about. I want to know your one-month, three-month, six-month, year, two-year, three-year, five-year, and then goals. And I want photos associated with those for your dreams and goals. I have my cars that I want, I have my boats that I want, I have my house, and I have my dog. These are the things that I want. I have them in full color. They're on my wall. I see them. I can't help but look at them every day because the power of visualization, you will achieve where you want to go. Um, also, work your marketplace. Identify the areas you're going to work in. Look at your turnover rates. Figure out where you are best going to fit to start or re restart your business in the marketplaces that you're going to be in. If one area that you, that you worked for a number of years has cooled down, switch your market. Change where you work, but get where the sales are. Otherwise, you will not see success. Lastly, get a coach, guys and gals who are hearing this. Get a coach that works with you. We, we like a guy by the name of Bob Corcoran um, a lot. He's ranked one of the top 100 people in the industry. He's extremely powerful and very affordable. He, if that doesn't work for you, Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, you know, any of these guys, read Dean Tracy's books. I mean, you can do anything you want, but find something that's going to keep you on target and on track um, mentally, emotionally, physically, and uh, spiritually. After that, practice your trade. Consistently and persistently practice your trade. Read your housing supply reviews, read different statistical information so that when people ask you stuff, you don't sound like a bumbling idiot. You know the numbers, you stand firm on your numbers, and you move forward on your numbers. Did we leave anything off the table that you want to talk about? Mike, I think the, the thing that's most important is that uh, it's mentally is to make sure that uh, at the end of the day, when I'm done with my business, there won't be any doubt and in my own personal heart that I gave 125%. And that just keeps bugging me to the point where I just want to keep working and working and working at my skill level because I, I don't care if you're a young author or a young actor. When you get older, you realize that, that you have to stay in a state of curiosity of learning your trade. Uh, most people in our business as some other people have in their businesses, they have 38 one-year experiences. I, I, I don't want to do that. I want to have a lifetime of experiences built upon those qualities that I think are most important and to try to eliminate those qualities that are not important. You know, one of the most important things that the guys were talking about is the ability to say no to a, a potential client. Because if you don't say no, you've got to say yes to somebody else and vice versa. 
you only want to work with those who are most likely, but also the ones that you would like to work with. Yeah, well, I can't work with everybody that I that I like to in this marketplace. That's true. But your character, the kind of people that you work with, it rubs off on you. And you want to work with people that you can respect. And you don't have to do anything else except focus on the good things about working in their business. So that's, uh, that's my feelings on it. It's, it's really been a pleasure. Well, Terry, Greg, and Chris, you have a treasure chest full of wisdom, knowledge, and experiences. You are combining old techniques like door knocking with new technologies like predictive analytics to generate multiple increases in your success rates. Your strong character, curiosity, and determination are poised to take you to new heights. Your multi-generational approach is an inspiration to family-based businesses everywhere. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to the Mastermind Agent Interview of the Month Club, where top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.